It is said that the devil's greatest victory was proving he does not exist. This is not strictly true. A lot more people think he exists than one might imagine. But they see him as an icon or a conceptualization of bad things. The devil is normally thought about as an anthropomorphism of all the bad stuff that happens to us. This interpretation of the devil is not altogether untrue. After all, if there is an evil being going around spreading evil in the way Santa delivers presents, is the bad stuff really our fault? But the portrayal or Satan is not the issue. If Satan is a way to put a face on random events we will look at reality in a much different way than if evil is a chosen way of life for some persons. It is not important to question if the devil exists, so much as to question if there is a war between good and evil, or are we observing a natural process play itself out. Evil, qua evil, only exists if there is a war against it. If there is no war against evil by a force for good, it is incoherent to talk about evil. An idea only becomes evil or is considered evil to the degree it engenders opposition. If we are all inured to deceit it ought not be considered evil anymore. Behavior that is normalized is only evil to those who have not normalized it. If the devil is a representation or iconography of what we think is wrong, then Satan is more akin to a category of things into which associated ideas are filed, than a being engaged in a reprehensible campaign against what is good. This viewpoint is difficult to maintain if we do not know where to draw the line between the opposing forces. If we confuse good with evil and evil with good the concept of a war between good and evil will be a difficult thing to conceive. But our minds only work a certain way. Our thinking is dictated to by the precepts of logic. Unless we can give the devil his due and recognize him for whom he is, we will be fighting shadows, if we fight at all. So many people tire and give into addictions of various kinds. It is impossible to put up a fight against evil while giving into porn and drugs. People of course are drawn to the graphic, the emotional, the dramatic and unusual. We are compelled to look at what is often the most repugnant events. The event is no doubt tragic, but evil is often more mundane than what a traffic accident would suggest. Mass murder and mayhem attracts a lot of notice but if this is our idea of evil, we have limited evil to what revolts us. When a child is killed it almost seems natural to question why these things happen. Evil seems obvious and easy to stop at least by God. But is not the imponderable a necessary part of evil? The one thing evil is not is normal. Evil is beyond the legitimacy that comes with understanding. If the truth be known, evil ought never to be provided with a justification in the form of a motive. But we need to appreciate there is no substantial difference between the death of a child and the death of a mass murder. The difference is subjective and dependent on the frame of reference. In many cases, the child and the mass murderer are one and the same. What is the nature of evil? We all instinctively recoil from the mention of it. Even when we are not Christian people call the worst of things evil. Even if we do not think there is an evil defined by God and even if we are of the opinion that God is evil, we understand there are actions that cannot be considered justified and that are, in one word, evil. Evil, however, is not just what is repugnant to us. Evil is not tied to the emotional reactions of humans. Nor is evil tied to the human condition, it is certainly not based on ethical standards set by humans. Despite what some might think, human thresholds are not higher than God. Nor is God subject to a standard devised by human beings. Humans are not important enough nor valuable enough to base evil on what inconveniences us.
God equals, 1, the highest and most perfect of all conceptions, 2, the thing beyond which nothing can be considered more perfect, 3, the standard beyond which no other standard of perfection is higher. If greater or more perfect can be conceived, what is conceived as the more perfect is God and that which it judges to be less perfect is not God. If greater can be conceived than what is being considered that which is being considered is lower than God. The Honest Man's Dictionary One error that man makes is to consider evil to be the equal but opposite of God. This diminishes God. Evil cannot be absolute, nor can it be equal to God. Good and evil are not absolute separated by an infinitely long continuum. There is no infinite grey area between two polar extremes. These are conceptions of Satan and are logically problematical. The idea of a being fighting God is bizarre. Surely, we can think of a being beyond evil, that is higher than evil. God cannot be evil if we can think of a God that is higher than this who is not evil. Indeed, what is there that is not evil apart from the creation of God? Evil impacts us and this makes these harms evil in our sight. This ability to affect us is the only reason why Satan is evil. Satan is not evil because he has the power to overpower or thwart the plans of God, because no one has this power. If Satan cannot change the outcome of God's plans, he does not have a power equal to God's. Evil is not a spiritual power. Satan is not a physical being but he is not supernatural in the way atheists think of supernatural beings. Satan is not outside of a physical reality that impacts physical reality in the way gravity is portrayed. Evil is not akin to gravity. If a person is evil, he or she does not acquire supernatural powers. If we observe a supernatural event, it is provided by and because of a supernatural being. But this is not evil impacting physical reality, it is just a phenomenon we can observe. It might help us to understand things better if we understand the physical world to be a manifestation of Satan. There is nothing supernatural about the natural world. It works much as we assume physical reality works. It operates by law because law is a manifestation of the demonic realm. God is a God of order, but God is not a legalist. Man has free will because we are not governed by law. The world is good because it follows the will of God, not because it is governed by a supernatural force called law. What we often call law is simply an observed regularity, a habitual event. An alien might think cars stopping at a red light was a natural law governing the movement of cars. Aliens might not understand humans chose to stop at red lights, mostly. What would they think of anomalies in which some cars were seen speeding through consecutive red lights? It is odd that so many naturalists would choose to anthropomorphize phenomenon and create metaphysical solutions to the issue of evil, which is actually a legal problem. If reality is physical and governed by law, how can evil exist? And if we are to accept the existence of evil, how does it operate as a law-based phenomenon, that in a world governed by law? If evil acts are not governed by law, then what guides them? In a physical world evil is the anomaly of anomalies. Not only ought the idea of evil not be tenable in a naturalist reality, but evil acts ought not be existentially doable. A pack of wolves that comes upon a deer giving birth and tears the foal from her loins, is not being evil or even unkind. There is no act a wolf is able to do that is evil. Atheists cannot answer why man is evil and yet nothing else in nature can be evil. The existence of evil is an irresolvable dilemma for atheists. 
it cannot be explained naturally because the naturalist explanation precludes the possibility of evil. Atheists are forced to create a metaphysical response based on an artificial abstraction such as the common good in order to explain the existence of evil. However, in the end all they do is tell us what annoys them with no explanation as to why this ought to annoy them whereas other things do not. There is no common good in nature and therefore evil, which would be acts that destroy the common good, is not a viable conception. The idea of the common good is itself not more than an abstraction used to justify expropriation. There is nothing in nature to justify calling anything a common good nor evil. If a religion is an ethical system or set of laws, it is ultimately, seven, the system for rationalizing evil. The Honest Man's Dictionary In this context evil, as defined implicitly in scripture, is the destruction of what God created. Law, on the other hand, is opinion codified into a regulation administrated by means of judicial coercion. The common good, under the law, is the identity, in the abstract, representing the law-abiding subject. Evil then has an agenda, manifested in the image of the legalist. Doing the common good is doing what supports the legalist subject. The law is created to give birth to him. Religion justifies him. Politics defends him and our economic systems funds the process. And so joining in the legal system or that which is operated by means of ethical systems or laws contributes to the birthing of the legalist. What is law, if the law does not justify what the common good desires to see come about? The war against evil is the war against the ethical systems that subjugate us. But law is not written for law's sake. Writing law is not a random process or an unguided activity. Evil is sentient in that it is not tied to nature. Evil creates and uses nature but it is not a natural force. Evil is a human attribute. Evil is not natural but this does not mean it is supernatural. Evil is not the equal of God nor a thing or being created by God. Nor is evil self-created. The fact that evil is not a force or part of nature does not make it supernatural except it is not physical. But what is called physical is an illusion created by evil. Phenomenology is not a biblical precept. It is what the Bible alludes to as the world of the flesh. The devil is nothing compared to God. Satan cannot defeat God. He cannot even comprehend the possibility. Satan cannot even attack God directly. Nor can Satan impact nature. The only avenue open to him is by means of the minds of human beings. Even here, his only target is our spirit, or minds. The devil cannot attack our physical bodies because they are part of the illusion he produced. Reality is conceptual. It is information transmitted to us by means of symbols coded into ideas we call concepts. Reality is transmitted information creating knowledge. It is this knowledge that Satan disrupts and corrupts, even unto the words we use in our language, so we cannot transmit information to each other in an articulate way. But if evil is not a supernatural force or even supernatural in the way people usually think of the supernatural, it is also important to realize evil is not a being. Satan is an evil being but not because he is formed of an evil substance. Because he is not supernatural and not a substance, as he is evil so can human beings be evil. Being evil does not alter their substance and it does not make them a victim of a supernatural agency. The phrase, the banality of evil was coined to express the image of the bureaucrat dealing with the logistics of genocide. In one sense the dynamics of the Holocaust was a matter of simple arithmetic. 
the state only needed to force local authorities to house more persons than the camps were given rations. The computation was simple, the camps could let people starve to death or execute them. Interference with supply lines helped justify the inevitable calculation. Careful rational thought bounded by a legal system gave rise to a protracted and systematic genocide of people who could not be legitimized by the legal system of Nazi Germany. But genocide does not happen in a vacuum. Genocide does not arise spontaneously out of random events occurring within a natural framework. Behind all of this horror was a calculus and behind this the opinion of a man. But because of the dynamics of the system this opinion and the calculus it gave rise to was shared by many persons. But without evil, the opinion would not have been perpetuated. Ultimately evil is a gamble. Evil is the product of an educated guess. This is why wolves cannot be evil. They are incapable of making an educated guess or gamble. Or, to put it another way, animals do not look for ways to deprive others of what belongs to them. Animals prioritize their own needs and ensure their own needs, but man goes one better. This is why men are able to create inflation. Inflation is the systematic depriving others of what belongs to them. The wolf that is hungry is the wolf that eats. Wolves eat what they find when they find it. The wolf is not calculating in how to systematically deprive other wolves out of their share to give them more property and power. If we were to attempt to understand a wolf, we would map out an algorithm or a logical tree. It would be based largely on a stimulus-response calculus. The primary feature would be an if-then relationship between the steps it took or the options it had. Mankind stops and considers options. But his if-then options are propositional rather than being based in real time. The options of an animal are in front of them. No one knows where the factors are that a human being is considering. Mankind considers if he ought to kill and eat the newly born calf or take it home and raise it to eat it later. Men look at other men and wonder ought he to cooperate with this person or kill him and take what he has. We look at a child and consider whether to train him to hunt or heal or manufacture goods for the group. Our choices are divorced from the space we are in. This is where evil enters the picture. Evil enters in as a calculated gamble. Evil enters in as a way of stacking the odds in our favor. We do not just worry if overpowering another person for his belongings is worth the risk in the here and now, but will it result in a greater loss further down the road? We understand with each choice there are consequences. The devil could not deny that evil exists nor his part in it. Satan created the conception of evil as a disembodied spirit. Evil was turned into an idea or an emotion. People embrace the idea that God loves the sinner but not the sin. People ignore the fact that it is the sinner who goes to hell, not the sin. The sin cannot be separated from the sinner. Yet, sin is not of the same substance or in the same class of things as evil. So, how do we fight sin and evil if we cannot identify them categorically? Because if evil is a supernatural force, there is little we can do about it. Identification of evil is vital to understanding evil. This is why we have spent the time we have on narrowing down the region where we need to look. The biggest hindrance to understanding evil is our way of looking at the world. Evil is an attribute of one world, which the Bible talks about as the world of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 2-4 But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, 
but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The worldly tend to think in terms of classes. The God of this world preaches a single race, a single world, a Unitarian religion in which we are all part of the one great truth and the one global system of all persons. Its diversity is a diversity of subjective differences with no significance. We are different, but the differences do not matter. Like gender, whatever differences there may be, are flavors not technical. If this be your truth it is a liberal truth and the truth grounded in logical classes is hidden from you. Liberals cannot believe in Christ or the truth that creates information. If you deny the lost of this world are of another master and another reality, then you are part of a reality that must ultimately self-destruct. Evil is simply the attempt to destroy the truth and reality of God. In the end it must destroy itself. The war against evil is really no more than doing what we ought to have done, from the beginning. The war against evil requires first and foremost a separation from evil. If we do not do this, we are compromised before we even begin. To separate does not mean physical separation, though if this can be managed it ought to be embraced. It is important to separate in every way possible. Our economics and politics ought to be isolationist. Most Christians look for an atheist doing repugnant things, when looking to find evil. Often these kinds of actions are more criminal than evil. However, the world rarely distinguishes the two. The fallen world has no basis on which to identify evil, other than the law. Even the annihilation of humans, is not evil under the law, unless the law makes it illegal. Man has no special place in a godless universe nor under the laws of a godless universe. Which brings us to the question that if the godless universe does not have a conception of evil, beyond the boundaries of law, is an act performed by an atheist evil. Does evil exist for atheists or is it just a matter of mislabeling something that is illegal? If the actions of wolves are not evil, would the actions of an atheist be evil? Both occur under the same naturalist's umbrella. This is not to say that the purist will not call murder evil, but in so doing we are misapplying the term. Of course murder is evil in a sane world but the fallen world is neither sane nor moral, so why would an action done in a godless world be evil? If good is building the church then evil is an act harming the church. But the world views this in the opposite way to how we do. Christians are the church. We are the body of Christ. But if this distinction is valid there are two different realities. Each group in each reality sees a reality that is the mirror image of the other. But if the people in each reality have different and opposite realities, we are two races that must be keep in apart. We cannot build up the church in a society integrated with people who think the opposite way we do. Something has to give. What the church must do is separate from the world. We do not embrace the ways of the world and this includes its penchant for violence. The war is the scale of our resistance to evil. But to mount a total offensive is also to separate. This is the problem the church has always faced. We want to confront evil but not having identified it we often end up pacifying it more than we are fighting it. A corollary of evil is inflation. The best case scenario is the one in which good is done and evil eschewed. Evil always adds costs to what we are doing. Evil wastes resources and time and effort. 
evil is destructive. To fight evil we have to understand the costs we are creating and how they are being allocated. We are each required to pay our own costs. To externalize costs onto society and future generations is evil and produces inflation. But there needs to be an accounting and a reconciliation of accounts. To do this there needs to be a separation. So this is the war, it is a war of separating realities and a war of accounting. The church fights by means of a method by which we separate our lives and realities from theirs. The division is by means of accounting. For this we need a new market and a new kind of money. These issues are discussed in other places. But if the church shares the markets, money and lives of those who live in evil we are not fighting evil. Evil will, if permitted, transfer its costs onto the church. This is evil but evil is also the church paying the way of evil. This we cannot permit.